Well, as we're preparing our hearts and going through Advent, one of the things about Advent and Christmas are the different emotions tied to it. Uh, we have different emotions um, you know, throughout the year. There will be emotions of joy and happiness and emotions of sadness and, and depression and anxiety that will show up throughout the year. But around Advent and Christmas is those moments where those, those emotions and those feelings feel deeper. They feel bigger. Right? And, and I don't know if it's because the days are shorter and the nights are longer, um, but, but we feel the emotions of joy in a deeper way as we sit around the table with people, as we light Christmas trees, and as we try to not kill ourselves hanging up Christmas lights on our house. Like We feel those feelings of joy. But we also feel those feelings of, of sadness and depression and aloneness in deeper ways. There was a study done uh, last year that looked at the, the loneliness that people in our culture feel. And, and last winter, they found that one out of three adults felt lonely every day. And three out of five adults say that their feelings of loneliness are unbearable. Now, what's interesting about this is that the younger you go into the study and look at feelings of loneliness, the deeper loneliness is. And we have this feeling that, that for people who are, you know, millennials or Gen Z, for people who are, you know, under 35, well, they're the most connected generation. There's social media, there's all these things. That they're so connected and know everybody, and yet they are the loneliest generation ever. And one of the reasons is, if you think back, so if you didn't have a cell phone in high school, it actually happened, students. There was a moment where you didn't have a cell phone in high school. But if you didn't have a cell phone in high school and, and, and there was a party that happened on Friday night, you probably didn't hear about it till Monday. But today, and we all feel this, but, but students especially, today, you know in the minute, in real time, if you got left out. Like right now, some of you last night sat at home and you wished you were out doing something fun and you scrolled through Instagram and you saw all of your friends doing something fun or you saw, you know, everybody sitting together, you know, doing something fun and you thought, man, I'm just sitting here eating leftovers. I'm eating chicken nuggets off my kid's plate. And we're reminded of loneliness. And loneliness isn't something that we talk a lot about, but it's something that many of us feel deeply. We feel alone. And especially around Christmas and Advent, we are reminded of our loneliness. There's another feeling too that happens at Christmas and Advent, and it is the feeling of exhaustion. Like right now, if you were honest, the number one thing on your Christmas list is probably a nap. We are just exhausted. I, I, Katie and I, this past week, were talking through our month, and when we finally got through everything that's going on, I thought, when are we relaxing? But there's this feeling of we have to keep moving, and the faster we keep going, the less time we spend with other people, 
Like really spend with other people. We might be around other people. So then what do we do when we get exhausted? Well, when we, you know, we stop at you know, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks and we get something with a lot of syrup in it and something with a lot of sugar, we pump it in and we're like, you know what, I just need another cookie. Maybe I need three cookies just to get me through this lull. And then we crash. And Advent, what we're looking at in this series is how is God with you and with me in our feelings of loneliness, in our feelings of exhaustion? How is God with us? What does God say to us in those moments of exhaustion and loneliness? If you're feeling lonely today, what, what is the good news for you? What is the good news if you feel alone? What is the good news if you feel forgotten? What is the good news if you look at your relationships and maybe one of them is fractured from this past year and somebody won't be at your Christmas table this year that was there last year? What's the good news? What's the good news for exhaustion when you don't feel like you have anything else to give anybody? What is the good news of Advent when you feel like you're just at the end of your rope? See, Advent is the in-between. Advent is the place, it's the season where we look back and remind ourselves that Jesus came, but we also look forward and remind ourselves that Jesus is coming again. And so in Matthew chapter one, the writer of Matthew says this, as Jesus is coming, he says, see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. And so throughout this series, what we're looking at is how is God with us in the hard places of life? Last week, we looked at how God is with us in the silences, when God is just silent in our life, when God doesn't answer us, when God doesn't speak to us, when God doesn't work on our timetable. But today, how is God with you when you're lonely? How is God with you when you're exhausted? Now, to see that, one of the best stories, I think, in the Bible in this entire topic is found in 1 Kings 19. Now, it's a story that maybe if you grew up in church, you might know, but it's the story of a man named Elijah. Now, Elijah is a prophet. Now, a, a prophet in the Old Testament was the person that spoke for God, was the person that went to the people of God and went to other nations and spoke for God and said, this is what God says. And many times the prophet would go to the nation of Israel, go to the people of God, and would, and would speak to them to bring them back to God. Now, nobody liked the prophets, Okay, they were, they were like the kid who sat in the front row and like always knew the answer. Like, they, like no one wanted to invite the prophets to the birthday party. It wasn't a job. In fact, many of the prophets, when God calls them, basically their response is, really? Like, is there anybody else? And so God calls Elijah. And in 1 Kings 17 and, 7 and 18, we find out that there's a famine. Okay, so there's no food, there's no water, and God calls Elijah and says, I want you to go to Ahab. Now, Ahab at this point was the king. He's the most powerful man in the known world. He's married to a woman named Jezebel, who's the queen. And so after years of a famine, God sends Elijah, and Elijah tells Ahab that God is about to send rain on the surface of the land. Now, here's what's interesting. As time passes, the rain doesn't come. God promises the rain will come, but it doesn't come. And so Elijah goes back to Ahab, and when Elijah shows up in Ahab, this is what Ahab says. He says, are you the one who's ruining Israel? Are you the one? 
right? This is, this is what happens many times, right? When we're exhausted, what do we do? Why did you schedule so many things for us? I didn't sign up for all of these things. Right, when, we, when something goes wrong, when we do something wrong, how often is it somebody else's fault? When our Christmas doesn't turn out the way that we have it in our mind, perfectionists in the room, you know, like you have it in your mind, if they would have just brought the right dessert, if they would have just been on time, it would have been perfect. Some of us, I mean, you can relate to that, and you go, if you would stop ruining my Christmas. So Elijah shows up, and Ahab says, are you the one ruining Israel? It's got to be you. So we so easily, in the midst of our disappointment, in the midst of our exhaustion, in the midst of our loneliness, it's got to be somebody else's fault. I don't want to have to deal with it. And Elijah says, no, 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 it's, it's not me. I have not ruined Israel. He says, you have. Which, I want you to feel the tension of this. I want you to imagine you're standing at work and your boss says to you, are you the one ruining the project? My guess is your answer probably isn't going to be, no, no, you. That's probably not going to be your answer. (laughs) No, you're probably going to be like, I don't want to say it was, I don't want to say it was the other guy, but, oh, yeah, you know, it was me. Like, we we don't want to say that, but Elijah stands there and says, no, no, it's not me, it's you. And he says, the Lord has commanded me to call you out. And he says, so gather all the prophets of Baal, gather all the prophets of Asherah. And he gives the number. He says, gather 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Okay, so 850 prophets. Elijah says, gather 850 prophets and let's meet on Mount Carmel. And so they summon all the people. And Elijah stands up before them and he says, how long are you going to worship other gods? See, now in this culture, here's what's important. The the prophets of Baal, Baal was the god of rain and dew. So as Elijah, as God withholds rain, here's, here's what's so important. In difficult times, in times of suffering, in times of darkness, what God is doing is he is fighting for the hearts of his people. See, when God sends Elijah, he says, I want you to call my people back. I want you to call my people back. See, one of the things that we don't want to really deal with many times is that in these feelings of of darkness, of depression, of loneliness, of anxiety, of stress, of exhaustion, in those places, God is fighting for your heart. He is pulling you out. He is drawing you out. But our question, here's what we're asking all the time. And it's natural. It makes total sense. How do I get out of this? How do I get this to stop? But right now, in your loneliness, God is fighting for something in your heart. He's trying to show you something in your heart. In your feelings of exhaustion, and these are real feelings, God is trying to teach you something in your exhaustion. And I think one of the things that we see again and again in the really hard seasons in Scripture is that there are only things you can learn in those hard places. There's only things you can learn in seasons of exhaustion that you can't learn in other seasons. There's only things that you can learn about yourself and about God that you can only learn in seasons of loneliness. And so God 
brings all the people together, Elijah brings all the people together, and he says, okay, let's see whose God is real. He says to the people, and he says to the prophets, okay, we're gonna build two altars. We're gonna kill two bulls, each, each of us is gonna have an altar, and we're gonna pray to our God, and we're gonna see who sends fire to, to this altar. And so he says to the prophets of Baal, you guys go first. And so they build an altar, and they start shouting out to their, to their God, they start praying, they start singing, and the text tells us that this goes all morning. And the text tells us that Elijah starts to kind of chide them and starts to, you know, get a little sarcastic with them and says, hey, maybe you should shout louder. Maybe your God is out to lunch. And the people shout louder and the people cut themselves and they, and they try to get noticed. And finally it says that in exhaustion, they stop. And so Elijah gathers the people around then and he builds an altar with 12 stones. Now this is important. In the nation of Israel, there are 12 tribes, 12 tribes that God has raised up. And so each one of these stones for one tribe. And so I want you to see the symbolism. And so as they're building this altar, they build a trench around the altar, the text says, and Elijah cuts up the bull and he says, I want you to bring water and I want you to pour it on the altar. And they pour water so that the trench is full. And in this moment, Elijah then prays and shouts to God, and the text tells us that fire falls from heaven and consumes the altar. And the whole nation, all the people there, worship God. Now you would think, some of you are thinking right now, what does this have to do with loneliness and exhaustion? Like this sounds like things are going really well for Elijah. But the very next verse, we're told that Ahab goes home. And he tells his wife what happens. And she's not happy. I don't know if Ahab was afraid to go to tell his wife. I don't know if he went in and thought, man, I really wish she would have been there. I really, I should send somebody else. And then Jezebel sends a message to Elijah. And she says this. May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She sends him a death threat. She says, if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow, may the gods punish me. Now, I want you to th think for a moment. Here's Elijah. Uh, God has spoken to Elijah, right? God has verbally spoken to Elijah. God from Elijah's prayer, sends fire from heaven to consume an altar. The entire nation of Israel worships God because, I'm sure Elijah's thinking, it's because I built this altar and prayed. And what does Elijah do when Jezebel threatens him? Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. Ran for his life. And I want you to think about, I mean, I know I just skimmed these chapters. But think about what Elijah has experienced and seen. And we do the exact same thing. We do the exact same thing. When we experience the move of God in our life, when we see God do something in our life, we see God provide for us, and then all of a sudden, this mountain comes in and we go, man, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. And we run for our life. We encounter a relational struggle and we think, I, I have no idea how I'm gonna get through this. I don't know how God's gonna heal this and we run for our life. I mean, Elijah has seen God send a famine 
He's seen God take away that famine. He has seen God send fire from heaven and an entire nation turn to worship God. And the moment that Jezebel says, if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow, he flees. He runs. He runs. Because in this moment, Elijah does what we do. He's made Jezebel bigger than God. And we do this. We make our desires of relationships bigger than God. Some of us right now have relational struggles with people that we're going to see or maybe people that we're intentionally not seeing that we have made bigger than God. Some of us are walking through financial difficulties right now that we have made bigger than God. We go, I don't know, I don't know what he's gonna do. I don't know how he's gonna provide that. Some of us have health situations that we've made bigger than God. And so what does Elijah do? Elijah runs. We're told Elijah went on a day's journey into the wilderness. A day. Walked a day into the desert. He sits down under a broom tree and he prays that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. See, this is, this is exhaustion. Elijah's just done. And some of us, we've been in this place where we've just said, you know what, God, I don't, I don't have anything more to give you. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this mess. I have no idea what I'm gonna do. And we are just exhausted from it all. See, some of us end up in the desert like Elijah and in the wilderness because of somebody else. Some of us have ended up in the desert and the wilderness because somebody else messed up, because somebody else did something, because somebody else went into debt, because somebody else made a bad choice. Some of us find ourselves in the desert and the wilderness exhausted and alone because God leads us there. Throughout scripture, God took Moses out to the desert. God took Jesus out to the desert. He took Paul to the desert. He took David to the desert. Again and again, God leads people out into the desert and the wilderness to be alone, to be at the end of their exhaustion. But some of us, like Elijah, we walk ourselves out there. We walk ourselves out to the desert. See, and here's one of the things that I don't want us to miss in this story. And it's this, that lows in the spiritual life follow highs. See, lows in the spiritual life follow highs. And this is true in a lot of areas of life. Have you ever noticed how a low in a relationship follows like a really exciting moment? Have you ever noticed that? Like we always tell people whenever we do premarital counseling, we always look at them and we, you know, like the week before their wedding, we're like, okay, so we gotta tell you one last thing. And they like kind of lean in and they're like, all right, this is, gonna be, this is gonna be it. I'm like, just so you know, so on your wedding night, you're actually, whenever you get to your honeymoon or wherever you're going, you're gonna have the biggest fight that you've ever had yet. Okay? Here's what they all say. No, no, there's no way we're gonna have a fight on our wedding. No way. We're not starting off our honeymoon on a fight, Josh. Like, I don't know what kind of marriage you had, but ours isn't gonna be that way. 
And I'm like, I know you don't think so. It's going to be like about toothpaste or luggage or something really dumb. It's, or, you know, maybe your mom. I don't know. But it's going to be about something. And you're, and you're going to look back and you're going to go, I can't believe we fought about that. You know, I can't. And I was like, it's totally fine. Because like in four days, you're going to text me and tell me I'm right. And it's totally fine. See, when this happens, when we experience a low after the mountaintop experience, we're surprised by it. And we don't know how to expect it. And yet, throughout Scripture, again and again, after a person sees God move in incredible ways, there is a low that almost immediately follows every time. And Elijah, he's surprised by this, and we are too when it happens. Right? We have an amazing like, community group experience, and then all of a sudden, the next day is really hard. Right? Many of you probably decided a couple weeks ago to take that step of giving more generously, and then you probably like, got a bill you weren't expecting to get. And you're like, what in the world? I'm just trying to like, be good with my finances, and where did this bill come from? Right? You decide, you know what, this is, I'm going to take this step of following Jesus and get baptized, and then all of a sudden, it's like really hard. Right? Or maybe you've done this where like you, you get up and you, you have your devotions. It's going to be a great day. Like I've had my coffee, like perfect sunrise for it. Like I'm just feeling it. And, like, and it's like the worst day of the week because lows in the spiritual life follow highs. And so Elijah is in this place of low. He's in this place of loneliness. He's in this place. Why? Because he has seen God do incredible things. He has seen God, you know, move mountains. He has seen God send fire from heaven, end a famine. And yet, Elijah is done. And here's what he's feeling. Because we're told later in, verse, in chapter 19 that when, when he speaks to God and God says, what's your problem? And Elijah says, I, I'm the only one. He says, I'm it. I'm the only one. Now, remember back. In chapter 18, what are we told? The whole nation of Israel worshiped God. Here's where we are. I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm the only one who cares. You ever said that in an argument to somebody? I'm the only one who cares about this. I'm the only one going through this. The whole nation of Israel worships God, and Elijah goes, I, you know, I'm mad because I'm it. I'm the only one. Now, here's what's amazing. God is so patient with Elijah and so patient with us. He doesn't scold Elijah. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? Like, I mean, for real, like the whole nation, Elijah. No, instead, he sends an angel. The angel wakes him up and says, get up and eat. And Elijah looked, and there at his head was a loaf of baked bread over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. And then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank, and then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God, and he entered a cave there and spent the night. See, what is amazing is what Advent shows us, what God with us shows us is how patient God is in our feelings that really don't make any sense. See, Elijah's feeling of loneliness and exhaustion is real. Your feeling, my feeling of loneliness and exhaustion is real. Those feelings when we go, I'm the only one going through this, that is a real feeling. And God doesn't say, uh, your neighbor is also going through this. He doesn't say that. He doesn't scold you. He doesn't scold me. Instead, he sends an angel to Elijah and says, get up and eat. 
Now notice, God has yet to say anything to Elijah about his loneliness and exhaustion. Instead, God meets him in his physical needs. Right, Elijah's not asking for food. See, and here's what I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss the generosity of God in places that we are unaware of. See, God is generous to us and gives things to us in places that we are unaware of. And I also, here's a really practical thing. In our moments of loneliness and exhaustion, don't ever, ever underestimate the power of food and a nap. Like, that's biblical. <laughs> right? I mean, the angel doesn't show up to Elijah and say, you know, you should probably pray harder. I don't know, maybe you should believe more. He doesn't scold him like that. He just says, hey, just eat. Maybe sleep some more. <laughs> Pretty tired. You're, you're saying a little things that don't make any sense. <laughs> just sleep. Because have you noticed? Have you noticed how much better the world looks the next day? How much better you get past that hangry feeling and eat, and you go, oh, I was, I was just hungry. <laughs> I didn't mean all the things I said. I was just hungry. I'm, you know. <laughs> so as you go through Christmas, before you say the things you don't want to say and have to say, just eat and take a nap. And so he goes another 40 days out into the wilderness. He's still running, okay? I want you to see this. He is still running from Jezebel. The angel of God has shown up. God has done all these things, and he is still running. And finally, he gets to a cave. And God speaks to his heart. Suddenly, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? This, this is an incredible question. I think God asks us this all the time. He asks Adam and Eve this when he comes looking for them in the garden. He says, where are you? It's not like God doesn't know why Elijah is there. God, it's not like when you get to this place of darkness and aloneness and exhaustion that God goes, I have no idea why they're so tired. I don't know why she feels this way. I don't know why he's acting like this. No, God comes in his grace and patience to say, Elijah, why don't you tell me what's going on? What are you doing here? And he does the same to you and me. He comes and says, why, why are you like this? Where, where are you? What's going on right now? And Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left. And they're looking to take my life. Now, here's what's amazing. God doesn't say, hey, like, that's old news. Like, they actually all worshiped me. He doesn't say that, that feeling's not real. Elijah says, I I'm it. I'm the only one. And so God takes him out of the cave. This is incredible. He takes him out of the cave. Now remember, Elijah has seen a famine. He has seen fire sent from heaven. He has seen a famine uh, taken away. So he takes him out of the cave. And we're told that God sends an earthquake, but he wasn't in the earthquake. That he shook the mountain, but God wasn't in that. That he sent a wind and nothing. God was not in that. And what was God in? We're told that God comes and whispers to Elijah. See, because God had sent all these spectacular things. This is what's so incredible to me, is that God had sent spectacular things to Elijah, which for some of us would look at and go, man, how did he miss all this stuff? 
But God was, knew that Elijah needed him to whisper to his heart. See, he sends the wind. He sends the extravagant, you know, fire from heaven for other people. Elijah saw all that, and he didn't need that. He needed God to whisper to his heart. See, and some of us respond when God does the really big things. But for others, we need God to whisper in the dark to us. And we're not told what God said to him. We're not told. We're just told that God whispered to him. And then God said, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. He sent him back. And Elijah goes back. And we, I have no idea. I, I, you know, part of me is like, I really wish God would have, like, included that in the Bible. What did he say? But for some of us, God right now is speaking to our heart in the darkness of Advent, saying, even when you feel alone, you are not alone. Even when you feel exhausted and feel like you are at the end of your rope, I will renew you. I will speak to you. See, Advent is the reminder that in our sadness, in our depression, that is so real and so big to us that God is with you. See, I don't know what wilderness you're maybe in right now. I don't know if it's because somebody else did it or because you walked yourself out to it. But what Advent shows us, what Elijah's story shows us, is that God will speak to us in that place. And he will speak to you in the way that you need him to speak to you. So here's what I want to encourage you to do as we, as we close and respond together. As we're walking through Advent, one of the things that we're trying to do is, with our next steps, help you if you're in this place of loneliness and exhaustion, to know how to see God is with you. And so you'll notice on your Connect card, there's a box that says wilderness. And maybe, maybe you, you didn't know that you were in the wilderness before today, but you're in this place of loneliness. You're in this place of exhaustion. You're in this place of saying, why am I the only one that cares about this family? Why am I the only one that cares about this job? Why am I the only one? Or maybe you're in this place where the darkness feels all-encompassing. And so if you check the box, Wilderness, we're going to send tomorrow just a few things to help you see what Elijah saw, to learn how God whispers to your heart in that place. How God whispers to your heart. See, one of the things we've been praying for as a team this week is that I know that at Advent, it is hard to remember that God is with us especially when you're lonely and exhausted. But God meets us in the cave. He meets us under the tree and says, get up and eat. He says, why are you here? And so I want us to, I want you to be encouraged with, right now, God is whispering to you, why are you here? Why are you in this place? Why are you walking through this? Why are you feeling this? Why are you here? And the amazing thing is, is that he knows. He knows why you're there. He knows how you walk there. And yet, 
He's drawing you out so he can whisper to your heart. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you do not leave us alone in the cave. You do not leave us alone under the tree. You do not leave us alone in that place of loneliness and exhaustion, but instead, through your spirit, you meet us. And God, right now, I pray for those who need you to whisper to their heart. For those of us who need you to whisper and say, I am here. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. You are not walking this by yourself. You are not here or in this situation by accident. I am with you. And God, for some of us, some of us just need to be told by the angel of the Lord, eat some food and take a nap. Some of us need to be told and reminded how you meet our needs practically. You meet our physical needs as well as our spiritual ones. And so God, as we sing this last song, God, I pray that these words would remind us that we are in your hands. That it would be our prayer that we want to be where you are. Because you want to be with us. The message of Advent, the message of Christmas is that you want to meet your people. You want to know us, and you want us to know you. In your name, amen.